0: Welcome to episode three of the Talking Acoustics podcast. Talking Acoustics looks into the art and science of acoustics as I catch up with some of the people who spend their lives working in this field. I'm Matthew Otley, I work for Marshall Bay Acoustics in Sydney, Australia, and I'm interested in anything to do with acoustics. In this episode, I talk to Renzo Tonin, who's achieved more than most in the last 40 years. He built the company that bears his name, Renzo Tonin & Associates, to be one of the biggest acoustic consultancies in Australia. He's conducted research that has advanced the acoustics field and in the 1980s he was one of the first people in the world to develop software to model environmental noise propagation. I hope you enjoy the interview. So, thanks for your time, Renzo. Good. Um, To start, how do you explain people what an
1: acoustic engineer is and, and what you do for a living? Um, well uh, w- when I first started uh, no one knew what an acoustic engineer was um, uh, but, but nowadays if, um, if, you're in a, uh, if you're doing measurements on the street uh, they know what you're doing, they know you've got a sound level meter so there's a, a fair perception out there uh, of uh, of uh, an acoustic uh, engineer doing recordings, doing sound recordings, but they probably don't know what exactly acoustic engineers do. So what I say is, uh, I say, well, if you uh, you know you travel down the M5, for example, and you see those uh, barriers up there, well, we design those to keep the noise out, or we say, or I say. Um, uh, we work in uh, apartment buildings to make sure that people uh, uh, get peace and uh, uh, peace and quiet from uh, apartment to apartment uh, it's more commercial acoustics not not what you might think is recording studios and so mm. on
0: yep. and so what when did you first show an interest in acoustics and and how did you get drawn into this as a as a career as a profession
1: um, my first interest in acoustics was um, uh, in my first job. Uh, I graduated in Adelaide. And uh, my first job was at the, at the Chrysler car factory, which is now defunct. I was a, uh, um, a cadet engineer with Chrysler in the quality control department. And one of the things I used to do in those days was build... Um, uh, speaker boxes, hi-fi speaker boxes, and sell them. Right. And so uh, I wanted to get smart on how to design crossovers. So I went to the library and picked up a book on how to design crossovers. So while I was reading that, um, when all these cars were zipping by me uh, in the quality control line, just happened to turn to the back of the book. And in the back of the book, I had some acoustics topics I started reading those, and I thought, "Gee, that's cool," and and I thought that that sounds like a good a good profession, and so I thought, uh, "I think I'll do that." So I set up a shop uh, in Adelaide, uh, building speakers and uh, designing them. I constructed an anechoic room, and um, uh, then then I thought. In pursuing that, that wasn't very successful. But um, in pursuing that, I thought, mm, if I want to get good at this, I better I better go and study it at uni. And so that's when I enrolled in a PhD. So it all really uh, started from speaker boxes, speaker box design.
0: And so that that you uh, that's Uni of Adelaide.
1: Uni of Adelaide, yeah.
0: And it's quite a cohort then that was coming out of Uni of Adelaide in the. In the early '80s, so uh,
1: in the late '70s, late '70s, or mid mid to late '70s. So yes, there was. There was. Uh, there was uh, Colin Hansen, Dave Renison, um, and a few other guys. Uh, there were about there were about seven or eight of us. Um, yeah. um, um, I can't remember all of their names, um, but. Our first astronaut came from that group as well. Really? Yes. Um, all it all came about because of uh, um, um, uh, the inspiration that the professor had in making Adelaide Uni a centre of excellence in acoustics, and um, and so uh, he did that, um, and. Um, he got Dave Bees in from the United States yep. and uh, Dave was instrumental in, in setting up most of the acoustics stuff uh, uh, in those years and up came all these guys and since then probably still is uh, the centre of excellence in acoustics mm. which is quite surprising and unfortunate because once you graduate from there you've got nowhere to go yeah. in Adelaide. Yeah. You've got to come to Sydney oh, right. or Melbourne. Yeah. So, in reality, that that centre should should be in Sydney or Melbourne or Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. rather than Adelaide.
0: And who was that professor that, that sort yeah. of launched
1: all that? Uh, that was um, uh, Sam Luxton. Sam Luxton. He um, he he started that. He got Dave Bees in, yeah. and uh, and from then, you know, everything just steamrolled. Yeah.
0: And your PhD that you did then, was that in 3D holography? Yeah. That the one? yeah. And, yeah. and that was 3D holography for the study of vibration. Can you yeah. tell me about what, what that means?
1: Well, uh, the, uh, firstly, to uh, holography was, was something fairly new at the time, uh, in the late 60s, 70s. And uh, it came about that you could take a, a holographic, Image of a vibrating object, and get immediately a, a, a picture, an image of of the uh, um, uh, of uh, all all the, mo- the the modal response of, of of the object. So, for a um, uh, a flat plate, you could see all the nodes and the antinodes at different frequencies, all in one shot. So you can take a picture of it. Oh, yeah. So, at the time when I, when I came in, the uh, technology was perfected for flat objects, mm-hmm. but it didn't work for 3D objects, like a cylinder, for example.
0: Yeah.
1: It just, the, the, uh, the numbers didn't line up, the mm-hmm. amplitudes didn't line up. Mm-hmm. So, I was able to, um, to extend the theory into 3D and get, get that work published, mm-hmm. and um, so that was a lot of fun. So I did uh, holograms of predominantly cylinders, uh, perfect cylinders, cylinders with imperfections, with um, with bits and pieces hanging off them. A wine glass, for example, yeah. which is a classic. Um, it was uh, was was a good good introduction into acoustics.
0: And that 3D holography, what's that? Is is that does that persist now, or
1: no, we... no? I don't think so. Yeah, no. No, it hasn't hasn't gone on to do great things,
0: yeah. And then in eighty two, is that right? You came to Sydney or early eighties? Yeah. Came to Sydney
1: and, and yes, and no, opened no, Renzo No, no, no. no? Go beyond, before that. In seventy nine, uh, I finished my uh, PhD and went. Um, uh, actually, in seventy eight, I finished my PhD and left my manuscript with Colin Hansen to type up. and paid him a hundred bucks or something, (laughs) I can't recall. Uh, So he saw the production of the manuscript and I spent a year going around with with the band I was in. I play play, uh, keyboards. And we came to Sydney for a year, travelling around, playing. And uh, whilst in Sydney, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it, and said, this is the place to be. Mm. You know, if you're gonna do acoustics. So when I when we finished in the band, uh at the end of seventy eight, um, I joined ViPac and became their Sydney office manager in January nineteen seventy nine. So um started off here for four years and then went out on my own in uh, November eighty two. Yeah. And started on my own.
0: So what sort of music did the uh, the band
1: play? Oh, uh, contemporary music, yeah, you know, rock and uh, covers, a lot of covers.
0: So what what role has music played in your life then? What does it mean to you?
1: I I think it was important. Um, I think I think when uh, when when you're a young person, you have no idea what you want to do. Even in, even then, when I was doing. Uh, 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 speaker design. Um, I wasn't sure, um, but it sort of crystallised in '78 when I said, "Right, you've got to make a decision." is at the end of the band days. You've got to make a decision about what you want to do. And I figured that, well, what are you good at? You know, you're good at, you're good at uh, music. You're good at electronics. My, I've always played with electronics since i was a kid so i can build things i can build crossovers amplifiers pas um uh, guitar amps stuff like that so i was good at electronics i was good at music um and uh I, w- I i could write reports i was good at writing at one stage i was going to be a writer a, a novel yeah. a novelist uh and i just put all those things together and thought well acoustics has got all of those elements in it yeah i thought that's what you should do yeah so it just came to me so music was one of those influences influences mm. so it was it was important
0: very common theme a very
1: common theme, a very common theme yeah that's right that is true that is true because there's got to be got to be some link with sound yeah in there um, so so I'm not I'm not surprised and it was the same for me too.
0: Yeah. So nineteen eighty two you put out your shingle. Yep. And you say I'm I'm, I'm here. It, and I'm here to here to solve all your acoustic problems. Yep. What was it like trying to establish yourself? Uh, it was, was it horrible.
1: At time? It was horrible. It was almost uh, within a f- within six months I was ready to join the doll queue. Um, it was a time nineteen eighty two was a time of depression. Uh, one of our one of our cyclic depressions yeah. um and I had what did I have I had uh, I had a telephone I had a calculator I had an office that I made in my garage um and a phone book and I just started ringing around in the yellow pages all the architects engineers and so on um and the message i got back was the same from everybody i'm sorry but we've got peter nolan on board i'm sorry but we've got louis chalice on board and uh, peter nolan and louis chalice just were the two kings yeah. at the time um, so so they said you know so so it was extremely difficult to to get in but um, Fortunately at the time um, Public Works Department came to, to the rescue and gave me some contracting work uh, which I did for about two years and while I was doing that I kept ringing people and contacting them and sending them uh, letters and brochures and stuff like that and eventually I got a hit. Um, and in about uh, 1984... I struck my first, we'll call it big whale, which is Mervac. Mm. Mervac had been using Louis Chalice for years and years and years and somewhere along the line, I don't know how, he made a, he made a mistake or he told them something they didn't want Louis to do. Louis made a mistake? Yeah. And the client was not happy, so he was looking around. And this is the situation with anybody looking for work, that if if they don't know about you they're not going to uh, use you they're not going to yeah. try you yeah but uh, a, a lot of big companies um, they they get to a stage of their existing consultants where perhaps they're not happy with them or mm. or they've made an error or you know something and they'll start looking around yeah uh, if, if your name is there in front of them
0: yeah but it's already in, in it's their already mind. in their mind.
1: Yeah. So that's what happened. They called me in and it was a job at uh, North Sydney Station, a building going up above North Sydney Station. And he must have told them that they needed to vibration isolate this building and I told them, no, you don't need to. I said, you can go into the building next door and at the, le- at the building level that you're, uh, uh, that you're interested in, you, uh, you'll hear the trains but they'll, they'll be at an acceptable level. And so I got grilled by half a dozen of the seniors there. It was yeah. extremely frightening uh, at time. Um, and they said, well, they said, what would you do? I said, well, look, I'll take you up into the building next door and you can hear for yourself. So that's what we did. One of the directors and I sat down uh, in the Phillips building next door and he said, that's fine. And from then on, we got every Mervik job. So...
0: Pretty good. It's an interesting exercise in risk management from their perspective because they don't want to uh, they don't want to sue Renzo Tonin at that time if something right. goes wrong So they'll the, get the telephone and the calculator.
1: The, the beauty about that is once you've got Mervac as one of your clients and you're on the phone, well, you know, we do all the work for Mervac. Yeah, you're at the table. <laughs> yeah, then... You've got some credibility. Then you've got some cred and it, it all changes, so... So that's that's really uh, that that was an important defining moment for me. And what was
0: what was the market like in Sydney at that time in terms of who was around? We had we had Peter and Holland, uh, and we had, we had Peter and
1: we had Louis, and we had Bob Fitzell, yeah and we had uh, Higgies, uh who'd, who'd started up himself. And so Peter had about uh, four or five people. Louis. Uh, there was only he and um, I forgot the name of the other chap that's with him. Louis Louis was large, but what happened was uh, the people in Vipac uh, left him. Um, yeah, the people who worked for Louis Louis for worked for Louis left. Louis for and and for
0: Louis went left. to Vipac, is it? Started Vipac. Yeah, started Vipac. Yeah.
1: So that was Michael Smith, Ian Jones, Jeff Shuttlewood, some people you don't know. Yeah. Um, but they all worked for Louis. Yeah. Left Louis in about um, uh, s- mid 70s 75, yeah. yeah. Something like that. And he'd never forgiven him, and he he'd never taken on anybody else after that.
0: And he never did. He only ever. And he, had, he never did. He, so he, he only one ever person, had I
1: think. had one person. Um. And so so that's that's even though. He was probably the best acquisition of everybody in terms of quality and knowledge mm-hmm. and, and ideas. Uh, that particular episode uh, was so important to him that it and and he never let us forget it. By the way, he was mm-hmm. he would always berate these people. And in terms of uh, going forward in business sense. Uh, I think he got scarred by that incident and never mm. and never recovered from it.
0: It's interesting to reflect on those people because, you know, Peter Noland always stated about that sort of half a dozen yeah. people. Yeah. Louis Louis always stayed with only one person. Yeah. Um, whereas Heggie's, um, Bob Fitzell and yourself all in a in a business sense grew bigger. Well
1: Bob Bob grew up to about that number two, and then sold off to um, um, uh, 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 to a multinational yes yeah, one one of the, uh, one the, of the multinationals kind of thing, and yeah. then and then just died then mm. the, the company just died after that you know mm. I believe he made a terrible mistake in doing that so and then there was um dave eden who who uh grew to about five or six, and his company withered and died because of his involvement with uh, Spectral Dynamics, which is a vibration monitoring company. So all his effort went into that company and his acoustics business floundered. So that went down. Heggies grew, uh, because is uh, uh, Richard is a very strong-willed person and he's got brilliant ideas and he's a very good acoustician and also he's very good with people. Mm. So his company grew to be um, the, the largest in Sydney. Yep. So it's interesting to see of, of those people who were the greatest at the time when I started, that they didn't, they didn't grow. They, mm. they, they just sort of stayed mm-hmm. the same, and it was always of interest to me why, why that happened. Louis, I can explain... Um, Peter, I don't know enough to know to know why, um, but uh, and then the, the 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 multinationals came in. Yeah. The Arabs and the Aecom's started yep. started their divisions, um, and it was always a concern to me that they would, uh, like the Woolworths and the Coles and the Bunnings, kill mm. all the, the small all the smaller shows. Yeah. But uh, and and I had and I had a deep concern that that in fact would happen, um, and I made it a point to go overseas to see what was happening over in America and in Europe with that particular issue in my mind. Uh, are, are, are the single uh, I'll call them the single consultants consultants that started from a single person and the private consultants are they doomed? The future, and it turns out that um, uh, overseas they're they're ten years ahead of us in terms of business. Um, no, it's it's not it's not true. The the, the private consultants are as big as um, the uh, the the multinationals, and in fact are seen as producing a higher quality mm. than the multinationals. Yeah. So clients would go to the multinationals if they wanted if they were what I call institutional clients, mm-hmm. uh, they just want to tick a box. Yeah. Right? It's a commodity. So it's, they don't care. They just have to do it. They have no idea. So, But the people who want to use uh, what I call uh, to, to develop their A-class team, yep. they go and pick their A-class consultants, including an acoustic consultant. And the reason is not so much that they believe... Uh, they want to put quality into the project because quality equals cost, mm. right? It's not for that reason. The reason is that they want the project to travel smoothly and no one makes mistakes, mm. right? And mistakes cost them dollars and dollars cost them profits. Yeah. That's the reason why um, people like Mervac and Lendlease or the the big companies, they're, they're the educated uh, clients and they choose their A-team. Yeah. So there will always be those those clients who choose their uh, ATM, and and it's true also of um, uh, government departments too. They they want to choose people who they know will produce an out outcome without without it dying, without it being a failure. Mm. So so there's always room for the for the private consultant.
0: Yeah, I often say to people that the Most of our clients don't actually care about acoustics as much as we would hope they do. Mm. But what they want, if you're a project manager or you're a government department, is that you want your life to run smoothly. Yeah. And and you want your consultant team to help your life run smoothly and easily so you don't have to worry about the acoustics and and that. That's exactly right. That's what
1: it's for. It's not not for quality so much. It's... uh, it's, it's to have a good good running project.
0: So reflecting on those, um, you say you've given a lot of thought to why, you know, the, the people like Louis Chalice and, and, and Peter Nolan, um, who I don't think any of us would say that they're uh, that they're not... The, the top of the field in terms of um, uh, the acoustics, the technical side. Um, why do you think... Um, some of those some people built big companies and some stayed at, at at a smaller company. Do You think it's a a choice, a a decision that you know, that you for example made that said I I'm going to build a, a bigger company and
1: there's there when I started off there was no man with grey hair who could advise me on what to mm. do. You just ran things the seat of your pants so you did things that were instinctive yep and one of one of the things it's like it's like asking the question why does why do some kids want to play in that playground and not in that playground Mm. and the reason is because that playground has got a lot of real neat stuff in it yep right and I get along with all of the kids there. Yeah. So what what does that what does that entail? It entails number one, a culture. You gotta have you gotta have a culture which breeds um which which entices people to come and play in your playground. Um, at Renzo's the culture is that we wanna be the best. Yeah. Right? And to be the best You've also got to provide the best to your engineers, the best tools, best software tools, the best hardware tools, to be always at the forefront, the best library tools, so that uh, and and keep pushing the idea of, of 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 being the best in your discipline. We were we were the first company to um, uh, to advocate the the use of um, the implementation of uh, teams, a team approach. Yeah. And uh, others since followed followed what we did. So we we divided our discipline up into building acoustics, uh, environmental acoustics, and a technical services team. Because acoustics is so broad now that you can't be an expert of everything. Mm. It's like being a, a, the difference between a doctor, your, your, a medical uh, GP mm. and a specialist. Yeah. It's the difference between your local lawyer and a counsel. Yeah. Um, it, uh, you, if you, you can't know everything, you can know a little bit about everything, but you can't be. W- w- if your client wants to select an A team, you you have to be at the pinnacle of your area to tell them no, that won't work. Yeah. You look them straight in the eye because a builder has a unique sense of sensing when you don't know. That's one of their gifts.
0: Yep.
1: If, you, if your eye shifts just uh, just three degrees, he'll know that you're lying, <laughs> right? Yep. So, so it's important for you to know your stuff. If he tells you, well, I've built it somewhere else like this before then you can tell him, mate, you are just so lucky that no one's found out. (laughs) That's all I can say to you, right? So you're able to tell him with frankness and with certainty that that this and that and the other. And to do that, you need to be really good. And you can't be really, really good if you're you're a bit of everything. And so that's why we've got specialists in buildings and specialists in in viro. And uh, and, uh, and it's interesting to see other companies have, have gone that way too. Um, now we have specialists in trains, yep. specialists in in roads. Mm. You know that's all they do: roads, yep. roads, roads, roads. Yep. You know? And and the younger guys, with the younger guys, you have to be very careful that you don't slot them into that area, um, into one particular area, um, um, for for a long time because they'll get sick of it. Yep. They need to. Look around and you got to see do a lot of
0: things, and find out what it is that you what really, that you really enjoy,
1: and then and then you can be a specialist. Once, if you go into an area like roads, there's just so much to know about roads. You 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 won't you know there are people like uh, um, uh, there there the, there are people in the world who whose whose lives are just. Um, are uh, 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 concentrated just on roads and pavement technology. Um, you, you could you could create a whole life doing that. You know, and be a specialist in one particular field. So anyhow, so so there's there's that. There's there's this culture of um, being the best at what you're doing. The culture of providing the tools for everybody. Um, i guess they'd have to be in there somewhere um that that um you you can um you can you 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 have a personality that doesn't conflict with others yeah because uh, otherwise you know if you if you it's knew louis Lu- if you knew louis for example he was very very hard man Yeah. He, he, He's a genius at his work, but unfortunately, he had no people skills. Yeah. Um, so, so you need you need to have some people skills, and 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 the final thing is that you can't do it all by yourself. Yeah. You got to let go. Yeah. Um, so, I think I think a rare, uh, I think a combination of all of those things, and just this this desire to. Uh, to, to be the best is what makes some companies grow mm. and some people, some companies not. Yeah. That's all it is.
0: So you're in Sydney in the in the early and mid-80s and you've got your garage and a telephone yeah. and you're in a field that's not not established like uh, mechanical engineering or electrical engineering. Um, it's a relatively, relatively new... Or, or novel, you know, implementation. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have people around that you sought advice from, or did you have
1: mentors? Or there's me? no one. No? That's the thing. There's no one. There's absolutely nobody. You, you had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea whether what I was doing was right, wrong, <laughs> different. It's just um, after after I got that. That Murvac job, which really was a very defining moment for me, um, and then they gave me every job since. Yeah. After that, I was able to grow. I got my first my first person in 80, 85, I think yeah. it was, and then from then on, we grew coincidentally one person every nine months.
0: Right. <laughs> wow. So is that um, have you have you in the time since um, sort of had mentors or people that you've um, no. sort of vice for, you stayed stayed the.
1: Uh, there's no, the well, there's you know you think about it. Uh, who, who is you can't collaborate with your yeah. with your opposition. No. You, don't, you, you don't want to tell them who you're thinking. No. so that unfortunately persisted. Um, uh, you know, uh, for, uh, up up until this very day yeah i can't think of anybody who i uh who i get advice from but that's certainly different for for the guy for for my business partners yeah they they believed in they had the same they had the same uh uh desires as i did and um you know to be the best at what you do yeah um and uh and uh, I was just lucky to have guys who thought, thought the same way.
0: Mm. Uh, now, as you go towards the late 80s and into the 90s, um, there were a few, you, you were doing quite innovative work in some of the things you were doing. Um, uh, now e was that one of your yeah. devices? So that, the environmental noise model, so that was DOS Based yes. computer yes. based noise prediction modeling.
1: Yes, there were two people in the world who created the first uh, uh, environmental noise model, which was available for sale. One was Soundplan, and the other was E and M. And we met in uh, in the U.S. in 1986. No, it was not later than that. It was 1990. It was 1990 in Purdue. Um, Soundplan was exhibited their 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 product, and I was there at the same time. So, uh, uh, the, again, my, my interest in computing and software, uh, I had a keen interest in computing and software. Always did, and so it was it was just natural that I. That I wrote a program because one didn't exist and, um, and put it uh, put it on the market for sale I sold quite a lot of them um, also produced uh, two other products one was called uh, DB Box which was a spreadsheet this is just when Excel came out yep. um, there was no way of, ca- of doing acoustic calculations uh, at the time Excel was just coming into vogue yeah. and also another program called db ray which is a ray tracing model right okay so yeah. one of the first ray tracing models um and uh and e&m specifically was was very successful um but it it floundered because uh i, c- I couldn't pay enough attention to it mm. i couldn't do everything yeah that's one of the things. And unfortunately, there's no one, no one who came along who could take it on, and take it forward, because uh, otherwise it would have been very successful.
0: And did you also develop
1: your own noise loggers? Yes, we made the first noise logger that I can recall when we exhibited them in, in, um, uh, in at the University of uh, New South Wales. At uh, noise <sighs> day, date, 90-something, 1, 92, I can't re- recall exactly. Um, I recall all the other meter manufacturers coming around to see what this device was. Hey, come and have a look at this. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to remember those days was when you had a... When Sound level meters were just basically a sound level meter, yep. you know, with a and and the with, foot, a, needle. with a needle specifically. But uh, digital sound level meters had just come out.
0: Yeah.
1: So you had uh, had uh, sound level meter with a with a, a digital display, and I thought, what happens if we hook a computer to this? You know. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. So um, that's how that's how the uh, uh, the noise loggers came about, and I said, "I said, should I be making these?" And I thought, "Well, the big boy's going to catch up, you know, in a few years' time." Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was ten years before they caught up. So I, I made loggers for ten years, and, um, and and they were just flying out the door. And we still have uh, two of them left. Only because we can't get the microphones anymore
0: <laughs> so those, so you had uh, those software projects as well as that that logger project yeah. uh, or products uh, I should say um, and you ultimately dropped those because you wanted to I guess spend your time, uh, elsewhere, your time yeah. elsewhere. Um, what what have you what lessons did you take away from those um, projects was it um. Not was it purely a? You know, do you look back and say, "Well, that was a good financial move," or? or oh,
1: certainly, it was always a good financial move. Um, I, I remember. It, uh, I mean, it was it was always rewarding, and, and in fact, uh, uh, it, it was it was extremely rewarding. It was very very good, but the problem was that there's just no time to do it, to do it yet. Mm. because there's no one there to take over. Uh, th- th- something had to give, yep. and uh, th- they 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 gave, um, and so uh, I concentrated on acoustics. But I think, going back to your question, the um, w- what I learned was that you can't hold um, a company to yourself. You need you need you need to give away. A company to make it grow. That's what I learned, and I learned that the hard way when uh, two of my guys um, uh, in uh, uh, mid mid nineties, two of my senior guys left and formed their own company, Mm. and that that was very very devastating. And that that was an important lesson to be learned that you can't you got to give away. You can't. You got to give away a part of the company to make it grow; mm. otherwise, people are just going to leave. And so that's where that's where where Peter came in and Nick came in, yep. and uh, I gave them part of the company yep. for free, because in giving you will return back.
0: So you you transitioned out of sort of full ownership of the company a few years ago. Um, in the nineties, effect- effectively yeah. became uh, in nineties and became. Mm. you're now basically an employee Um, and that seems to be a very difficult thing to achieve if you look at other people who've started up consulting firms, it's very difficult to make it to that second generation whether that's because there's a shared identity with something you've built up yourself um, that you become the company becomes part of your identity um, and letting go of that becomes difficult Um, and and there's practical hurdles I guess in terms of Equity and, and transitioning out of something um, and having it still thrive. Um, can you tell me about how you approach that
1: transition? And, it was and thrust on me. Yeah, it's counterintuitive. Um, in the in the early years, um, you you know you you're busting a your gut. You're working 24 hours a day, basically every Saturday, every Sunday, because you love what you do. Yeah. And the thought of saying to someone else here you can have part of my company for nothing is just counterintuitive but um, there's no gray-haired man who says, "Hey listen if you don't if you keep on this way your company is going to split apart mm. what does that is it actually happening
0: yeah
1: when when the company splits um, to have Two of your senior guys go and then just start up a new company within a matter of two weeks, and then leaving you with a staff of I think we had about seven or eight in total, uh, and leaving you with all with all of those jobs half done. It's absolutely um, it's uh, it's shattering. Mm. But. It needs something like that to teach you a lesson as to what must happen. Yeah. And what must happen is that you can't hold on the company um, on your own. You've got to give it away. Maybe that's what happened with, with Peter. I don't know. But uh, I certainly learned early on what I had to do.
0: So at that moment those two guys leave, that, that's the trigger then that starts you... Planning, planning your uh, transition. Yep. And how how long then does it take you to
1: like? Oh bounce back fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah.
0: But then, yeah. but then to put it to start putting in place the. Oh, was know.
1: was immediate. Right. I, uh, I had to go away and think about. Wow. Wh- how did this happen? Why did it happen? Self learning. Yeah, you know, and it would have been great, you know, if you could just talk to someone and say, listen, listen this is what's happened. Oh, I know exactly what's happened," and uh, tell you how to handle it. But you, you, don't know. You, you're in the dark. You have no idea. Am I doing the right thing? Why has it? Why have I done wrong? Um, and it, it, it just comes to you. Mm. You, know, you just learn a lesson. Yeah, by being th- thrown in at the deep end. <laughs> yeah
0: um, you going back to the technology side of it you've worked from a pre computer age you know starting yeah. out with a calculator um, and now to an age where everyone's got a computer in their phone in their pocket um, we've got unlimited computing power effectively yeah um, our instrumentation acquires endless data um, But at the same time, we can be swamped in all that data and spend our lives on email and computers, um, not necessarily doing the acoustics bit. Um, Do you think the computer age, for want of a better word, has made acoustic consultants better? Um, And what do you see as the opportunities and the, the traps that we have now with this sort of computing power?
1: Um don 't think it 's made it better um, what it 's done it's it 's giving you more power to get more output yeah uh, in a space of time. Um, I thought when I, when I first started and i didn 't have a computer when I first started, I thought the the um, the, the level of acoustics expertise that was coming out was just as good as it is now with all yep. the computer power. It's just the, the difference is that you're able to do a lot more in, yep. a, in a given space of time. You're able to cover more more spots, uh, you know, get more information, um, produce reports that are much longer with more data in them. But I think the, uh, the conclusions... Um, and the design, the design output, uh, uh, not 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 commensurate with with the level of um, uh, input that we're able to get from computers. Mm. Um, I mean, we could do um, th- there's there's certain things we're able to do. For example, we could design. Uh, highway barriers, for example, uh, even, even by, you know, with Excel spreadsheets, with, uh, with, even with nomograms, if you wanted to, yeah. uh, maybe the accuracy would not be quite as good, but you could still do it. Yeah. But it'd take you a long time. Yeah. That's the problem. More, more done if you You get a, more done, yeah. and the, the, the double-edged sword with that is that clients expect you to have more done, so it doesn't doesn't reduce your time at work. It, it's always always busy. So, so really, um, it 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 everything just goes faster. Yeah, a lot faster. Mind you, I predicted uh, um, before before the computer age. This is uh, nineteen. 1979. 1979 when the first PCs were just coming out in America. I said, I said, one day, you know, you, at, this was at VIPAC when I was there, I said, you know, one day all you guys are going to be typing your own reports. Ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh. ho, ho. You won't have this bank of typists yeah. over mm-hmm. there. See, we used to write our own reports by hand. Hand them. And, and give them to the typists. typed up, yep. That's right. I said, you know, one day we'll all be writing up your own report straight onto the screen and uh, it'll be just so much more efficient because you can do your own corrections said, and no one would believe me. There you go. <laughs> what do we do now? Um, now, at
0: this point you agree you do a lot of legal work. Yep. Why? Why,
1: Why do I do legal work? Uh, because it's challenging... It's precise. It goes to the core of knowing your stuff. Yep. It's all of the things that um, that that I, I hold dear. Mm. It's being. Um, uh, it's it's. Uh, I think I think what what I like about acoustics is why I keep doing it now. Is um, that I I like to be an expert at something and people ask for advice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that... It's it's gratifying yep. to have someone ask you, what do you think I should do? And and you being able to tell them, look, here are the options, A, B, C, D, mm. and them relying on you for, for advice. I think that that's what we do as consultants. Mm. And I think it's gratifying to be able to speak knowledgeably about... A topic, and being the guru in that topic, and and your client listening to what you have to say, yeah. And so, and so, this is this is what intrigues me about legal work. Is is its precision? It's getting down to the the important um, issues. Um, knowing knowing a little bit about the law. I studied, studied tech books, textbooks on law to understand exactly how lawyers think yep. um, because if you're going to talk to these people you need to know how they, how they think. I studied uh, judgments to understand how commissioners and uh, judges think yep. and how they, um, how they uh, sift through all the technical stuff and what's important to them and what's not. And that's all part of knowing. See, here again is an area that it's a different part of acoustics. But again, knowing, having the time to read judgments, yeah, you know, uh, to know, you know, what this is the same as something else, and what you can do, and what you can't do, and what argument will, will or will not sit right. To do that, you need to read all of this stuff. Yeah. To do that, you need to have time to do it. Yeah. And to do that, that's the only thing you can do. Yeah. See, it's the same principle, yeah. right? And so, um, and so, I'm happy to do. I'm happy to do that work because it's uh, it's really exciting. Mm. You know, it's just being there grilled by uh, by. Uh, by a barrister is not everybody's cup of tea yeah. and that's why a lot of people don't do it yeah. but I enjoy it because uh, I, 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 I try and put myself in a position where I know what the question's going to be yeah. Right, so I, yeah. plan, I plan, it's like a little war game, like, like a game of chess before I before I go to court, I, I go through all the possibilities of what questions I, I might get asked Grill myself, yep. right, and have the answers ready, Yeah. and then it's it's there's no surprises. Yeah, of course you do every now and then, but but for um, and now and now with with the legal profession, a lot of those people know me.
0: Yeah,
1: and they you know and they all they all uh, recommend me to others, and it just grows.
0: Yeah,
1: so now. I'm working harder than ever <laughs> in this particular area.
0: <laughs> it, it can be a, a combative or an a adversarial uh, system um, and, and where um, client decisions are driven tactically rather than you know, perhaps... The, on the,
1: for the good of the, the
0: community. For the good of the community. Yeah. Um, and, and as an expert, that that... Can lead to some conflict between your personal or company values and uh, for example that the code you know our, our code association of code of ethics and having the best interests of the community first and so on yeah. um, how do you handle that sort of um, conflict or, or that uh, those two conflicting uh, streams I guess yeah
1: um I think I can answer that by way of uh, an example. I was involved in a uh, a road project um, up up in the northern beaches, way up north, and um, the the local community uh, uh, were were opposed to this bypass. Um, being thrust upon them a bypass which bypassed the city centre a road which bypassed the city centre to relieve traffic on uh, on on the city centre on the city centre Mm -hmm. to take the traffic away um, so that uh, so that uh, you you would get more efficient uh, throughput Mm. but of course these people who are who were currently in a very quiet area were going to be exposed to all of this traffic noise. Yeah. So, so the, the, you know, so what do you do? You have you have uh, the two sides of the coin. Um, do you do you re- retain the road in its current form, going through the centre, with hundreds and hundreds of cars just banked up forever, yeah. frustration and so on, and all these people. Um, and and the, um, the 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 resulting um, problems that it creates for the for the for, for commerce in the in the, in the city centre, or do you or do you fix the problem but affect these other people? In affecting these other people, then you look at what you can do to mitigate the noise. Mm-hmm. And so it's never a case of, or hardly ever a case. I'll never say never. Hardly ever a case of black and white. It's a question of balancing, mm-hmm. right? And in in balancing, it's it's not a question of of ethical behaviour. It's a question of uh, uh, adopting um, government policy, yeah. usually. Yeah. Um, in Australia, we're fortunate enough to have very good guidelines mm. in in noise, in environmental noise, and Building noise, and unless there's a really good reason to deviate from those guidelines to say the guidelines are wrong, which is very rare, uh, really it's a matter of following the guidelines, which have reasonable, feasible words built into them, and then saying to these people, look, you're going to be impacted, and this is how you're going to be impacted. This is how much you'll be impacted by Mm. them. All right. So there's, So you tell them the truth, yep. that's number one.
0: Yep.
1: So your noise level, the, the noise level uh, uh, at your house is going to increase by 11 dB, which is a very large number. You don't try and sugarcoat it, mm. it's just a large number. Yep. It's twice as loud. Yep. All right? So you're going to experience traffic noise twice as loud as, as what you are getting now. So you tell them the truth, that's yep. number one. So in those circumstances, the government has a policy of providing mitigation, right? And these are the things we can do. Yeah. We can do this, we can do that, we can do the other. And then, then, as an ethical engineer, you apply your mind to try and think of everything you possibly can to mitigate noise. Yeah. You've got glazing, you've got, you've got barriers, you've got um, for, uh, insulation in, in walls because of the timber timber-clad walls, insulations in, in, in ceilings. You've got all of these measures. Put them all together mm. and, you, and you can achieve 7 out of the 11. Mm. I'm not going to get you everywhere, but yep. this is the best I can do. Yep. All right? Tell the truth. Yep. Think of everything you can to help them. Yep. alright don't, don't worry about your client and, and don't worry about how much it's going to cost. You tell the client, this is how much it's going to cost. The client then goes, what? It's going to cost all that much? I say, look, they're, they're the, that's what the guidelines say that you must do. Yeah. If you want to argue that it's too expensive, that's a legal argument, that it's not it's not reasonable yeah. to yep. do that. Yep. But you've given them the answers, you've given the community the answers and, and that's how you balance your, your that's how I approach my ethics mm-hmm. anyhow. So tell the truth, be very good at what you do so that you can uh, give all the options mm. you can and if 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 they don't get you know don't don't try and color uh, the outcome and and really the uh, people who are affected in this way it's always a balancing act mm. uh, at the end of the day but it's not your job to balance it's your job to to try and mitigate and to give advice and to tell the truth yeah and then it's it's a matter for the for the government, for the legal people to, to do the Balancing Act. Mm. And usually, I give that example because that's a good example of, you know, how to approach ethics.
0: Yeah. What are you most proud of that you've done in your career?
1: <clears throat> I don't use the word... I don't like to use the word proud because it, um, it, it, it has connotations of arrogance. In, instead, I'd, I'd use the word pleased, yep. pleased about. I, I have a no, number of things that I'm pleased about. Um, firstly, that I chose a career where where I didn't have to go midway and go, "Oops, I'm in the wrong place. Mm. So I'm pleased that I chose correctly.
0: And was, it, was that uh, informed, intelligent decision? That was, or a, was, that that the, was the music, what
1: are you good at? <laughs> that was just that simple question of asking... What do you want to do? Because yeah. Yeah, because as a young kid, as a young kid you know, in your 20s, and even up to 30, actually I was 30, I was in 79. In in 78 when I made the decision, I was 27. Yeah. Right? I didn't know what I was going to be. I thought I was going to be a record producer. Yeah. Going around the band. And, and just a simple question. Wh- what do you want to do? Um and the 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 answer to that will come from what are you good at? Yeah. List all of the things that you're good at. What job has all of those things? Yeah. That's the way. And in in approaching it that way, I'm pleased that I made the right decision about mm-hmm. doing acoustics because it's been inventive. It's been you know I could go any way I wanted to. I've been I've had a a canvas that I could just paint and. Just be happy every day. Uh, come to work happy, go home happy, and I, uh, other than the strifes that come along, you know, business mm. strifes, I'm glad I, I made that decision. And now that I'm retired, I still want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to stop. It's a good, good way to be. So that, so I'm pleased about that. The second thing is I'm pleased about is that it's. I just take pleasure at our Christmas party, seeing a hundred people in front of me. Um, hundred employees through both companies, through Wintech and through this company. hundred people think, oh, gee, we started from one. <laughs> it started from nothing. I'm just pleased to have seen how, how it's flourished that way and not, and not got stilted somewhere yeah. you know, along the way. Yeah. So they're, they're the things I'm pleased at.
0: What do you think the future of acoustics looks
1: like? In the near term, um, it's it's not going to be um, steam engine, the death of steam engines for a while. Mm. In the near term, it's going to flourish.
0: Yeah.
1: Until such time as um, as methods of transportation evolve that that don't, that that rely on cars being cars not having tyres. Yep. So, you know, vehicles are suspended in mid-air. Mm. Anti-gravity yeah. is is uh, invented, and to such time as the, there is a uh, window system that 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 has a knob on it where you can regulate how much sound comes through, and and air, and air, <laughs> um, and light. Yeah, right. We'll all still have a job. Yeah. Eventually, I guess we won't, but that'll be, uh, who knows, I, I think that'll, that'll be far in the future, if I can use my predictive. I think those two technologies, anti-gravity, when anti-gravity comes in and when there's a material that you can control its behaviour for light, sound and air, comes available, um, I think that'll be a long time coming. What, what advice
0: would you have for someone starting out in acoustics now? Um,
1: well, f- firstly, um, what's disruptive to anybody in starting is having chosen the wrong profession. Yeah. So I, I, I can't think of anything but to uh, advise someone to sit down and think what, what they're good at. Go, go through the same process I did. Mm. What are you good at? And is acoustics one of those things that that captures all of those mm. things that you're good at. Because to, to take on a profession and then after four or five years leave it and do something else is disruptive. Yeah. So you don't want to do that. So you want to make the right decision. And I'm glad I did because mm. I was able to just steamroll right through. Yeah. So that's the first thing I'd say. I'd say make sure you're in the right profession. Right? Um, and uh, second thing is to um, to decide what sort of acoustician you'll be, whether you'll be a locomotive or you'll be a carriage. If uh, a locomotive is uh, has power, it it drives the carriages. It can accelerate. It, it's the front of the team. But you need carriages too to make things work. So being a carriage is fine as well. Mm. But so, so dis- decide which one you are you're either a locomotive or a carriage if you're a locomotive you've got to go full steam ahead you've got to study right? you got to be you've got to be a- absolute best at what you want to be and you've got to have a drive to be very very good at what you do if you want to be a carriage that's fine just know your stuff all you want to do is just um, you, have, you have a life outside of acoustics yeah. you want to balance it somehow yeah. which, is, which is good uh, you still need don't be complacent uh, you still need to read stuff and understand what you're doing uh, but you probably don't have the same drive as someone who wants to be locomotive yeah. uh, but, but you're still needed and still, you still will enjoy what you're doing um, so I, th- I think, know your place, know, know where you want to be, and um, and know know that acoustics is right for you as early on as you can.
0: Yeah. So lastly, um, we've talked about a lot of things that you've done. What does the future hold for you personally? What do you still want to do or achieve? Is it what what? What have you got left to do, or what do, what do you see yourself doing now?
1: Well, what I see myself doing is is legal work until my brain holds out. Um, perhaps uh, slowing down a bit to try um, um, to try and enjoy other pleasures. Yep. Um, I think uh, uh, I think I think at this stage of someone's uh, life um, you you don't want to put yourself into something where your health the de- decides uh, uh, stops you your whatever you're doing yeah um, uh, it should be the other way around so that that you're doing what you like doing and if your health gets in the way well then it doesn't yep. matter you know yep. so so I don't want to get involved in a in in projects and things which which will require hundred uh, percent effort yeah. uh, I want to be able to uh, I think pick and choose a bit mm. so so in in doing legal work I can choose not to take on a case
0: yeah
1: slow it down in fact I've done that I, was, I don't want to do these cases yeah I tell them I'm too expensive for you I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> So I think just slow it down a bit, uh, walk the dog, have some time with my daughter. Um, I, th- I think I've done most of the things I want to do, you Yeah. Know? and um, I think it's time to do something different.
0: Yeah. Well, Renzo, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Matt. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback or comments, you can send me an email at talkingacoustics at gmail.com. For more information on Renzo, uh, you can look at the Renzo Tonin and Associates website at renzotonin.com.au. Thanks for
1: listening.